This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Destinations International. The Convention Sales and Services Summit is just around the corner, March 9th, at the Gaylord National in National Harbor. The summit is a cross-functional gathering of sales and services professionals dedicated to helping their clients plan and execute successful meetings and events. This year's summit will challenge you to think differently about your role and your destination, providing insights and information that will promote a deeper collaboration in the sales and service cycle and educate on the post-pandemic shifts that are impacting the sales cycle. For more on the Convention Sales and Services Summit, go to destinationsinternational.org and click on the banner. And now it's on to our show. Phil Weirs is the president and CEO of Pinehurst, Southern Pines and Aberdeen area CVB. In his five years of leading the tourism effort for the home of American golf, he's been responsible for leading a marketing team that recorded the first $3 million room tax collection year, one year after recording its first 2 million room tax collection year. In 2021, Moore County saw the fourth highest rate of growth in visitor spending statewide, 70% totaling almost $700 million. This is Phil's fourth career. He also has been an award-winning journalist, winner of the Edward R. Murrow Award for Broadcast Journalism, among other honors. He's also been the director of marketing for four major resorts, including the Ritz-Carlton Hotels of Naples and the Grove Park Inn Resort and Spa. He's also served in PR roles at a pair of ad agencies in the Southeast. In his midlife crisis, he became a golf professional and taught with Cindy Reed at her academy at Mission Hills Resort in Shenzhen, China. Phil Wurz, welcome to DMOU. Thank you, Bill. Great to be here. Good to have you on board. And before we begin, it's been almost four years to the day that we were in Pinehurst to work together to develop a funding mechanism to diversify your tourism economy. And we'll get to that in a bit. But in the meantime, the private sector has been on an absolute tear. Tell us what's new in your region. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks for the question. It's a great one. And, and the, what has not been happening in Pinehurst? It's just been an amazing ride. And I, I guess it's, it was a good time to uh, to come on board five years ago because we we're riding a wave that, you know, COVID really made a huge impact here, but in a very positive way. It was probably the best thing that ever happened to this destination, just simply because people were able to get into a rural county, socially distanced. Golf is just exploded globally. And I guess the newest and greatest that's going on right now, uh, and this happened during the pandemic, it was September the 9th, 2020, the United States Golf Association announced they'd build their second headquarters here, which is called Golf House Pinehurst. Uh, they actually finally just placed the final beam in that a couple of weeks ago. It will be completed by December 31st, 2023, and plenty of time for the 2024 US Open. Uh, so that facility, that will have their offices. There's about 35 people moving down from their main headquarters in New Jersey. So they'll have about 50 people. There are already 15 that were here already. Uh, there'll be a testing center. So every golf ball that people lose on golf courses around the world, or at least in the United States, will be tested here in Pinehurst, as well as golf clubs, just like the RNA does uh, over uh, across the pond. Green grass section, the museum, the World Golf Hall of Fame is that museum. It's moving back to its original home. People may remember it right now being in St. Augustine, Florida. Well, it started here in Pinehurst in 1974. So it's coming back to its rightful place and its rightful home. We talked about the U.S. Open. That's next year, 2024. 
with additional ones in 29, 35, 41, and 47. Wow. Uh, and the state says that's going to have about a $2 billion, with a B, $2 billion impact on the economy of the state of North Carolina over the course of the next 25 years. And the epicenter is right here in the Pine Ridge, Southern Pines, Aberdeen area. Major industry, our economic development partners uh, with Partners in Progress, Natalie Hawkins does a great job. Uh, we've got major industry moving just to the north of us in Chatham and Lee counties. Uh, we're in Moore County here. So just to the north, we've got Wolf Speed coming in, chip manufacturer, VinFast, Vietnamese EV car manufacturer. Apple is moving to Raleigh an hour away. Uh, just to our south, Rockingham Speedway, if any NASCAR fans out there may remember The Rock. Uh, there's a ton of races there. Uh, Rusty Wallace was there last week announcing the Moonshine and Motorsports Trail in North Carolina. But because of COVID and all those funds, uh, Governor Roy Cooper was able to use some of those funds and gave Rockham Speedway $9 million. So I have a meeting on Thursday uh, with their economic development team to talk about how NASCAR may be making a return to the Sandhills. So we'll find out more about that. 2023 is the year of the trail. We've had a huge short-term rental explosion here, and Pinehurst is doing some development. You might have heard about the 10th course that they're going to build. Uh, so they yeah. have a lot going on as well. Uh, so uh, tons going on here in the home of American golf. Uh, it's just a great place to be. Absolutely. So first question, last autumn, just as the holiday shopping season was set to begin, the Pinehurst, Southern Pines, and Aberdeen region, officially known as Moore County, was hit by a massive power outage caused by vandals that lasted for days. The DMO there came to the rescue, like DMOs increasingly do since COVID, and created more miracles. Phil, tell us how this idea came about, how you brought it to fruition, and how it kept businesses afloat during one of the most important times of the year. I'll tell you what, it's it's unlike any other challenge I faced in my career and in, in, in any of the four careers, really. And it was something that happened, as you said, a, a vandal uh, attack to our substation Two of them actually knocked out power. There's 100,000 people in Moore County, so about 40,000 people lost power, primarily in the southern end of the county where Piner, Southern Pines, and Aberdeen are located. So, you know, as a CVB, and I remember that happened on a Saturday night. Right. And we came to work on Monday and said, you know, what can we do? We need to do something to try and get people back in business, especially during the critical holiday season. This happened on December the 3rd. So this, for many businesses here, a lot of the mom and pops here, and there are many of them, they depend on the holidays for their year. And so, you know, when you're out of power, it's that's a big problem, obviously. So we were thinking about what we can do. And we came up with more miracles for the holidays. And so in a matter of about 16 hours, we came up with this program. In fact, we had a phone call as well from the county commissioner chairman at the time, Frank Quist, uh, who you're familiar with, yep. by way of our state senator, Senator Tom McGinnis, that said, hey, what can the CVB do? And I told Frank, I said, hey, we're on it. This is what we came up with. So we were trying to figure out what would be a good dollar figure, unbudgeted funds, by the way, uh, which we've since been able to recoup because our, our budget is so conservative, we're able to do a budget amendment and recoup those funds. So we committed $50,000 at that time, unbudgeted funds, toward a marketing program that really targeted the Carolinas digitally and built a microsite that would give people access to go directly to our shopping our restaurants and our lodging partners and go there. And we encourage them to buy gift cards, buy, you know, cause that gets cash in hand for those businesses right away. And if you immediately, right. Yeah, absolutely. So the cash flow was almost immediate. Uh, we got great response from it. In fact, Duke energy saw the campaign 
and their foundation. In fact, we have a local representative, David McNeil, who's a great friend to everybody here in this destination. Uh, Duke Energy does a fabulous job. And so he got me in touch with the foundation with Duke Energy in Raleigh and spoke to a gentleman there. And, and they said, hey, we saw your campaign. What can we do to help? And so we said, hey, you know, WREL TV, if you're not familiar, is the number one TV station in the DMI and the ADI. And so they're the NBC and Fox affiliates. So basically, Duke Energy said, you know what? Let's get in touch with them. Let's build an ad campaign. And this ad campaign went from about December the 10th through Christmas Eve. So about a two-week period, we had 30-second spots on WREL morning and evening newscast, the Today Show, NBC Nightly News, coverage of the World Cup, which was going on at that time, and NBC NFL Sunday Night Football. And so, you know, great exposure. That got even more people involved, got them to our microsite to buy gift cards, and then encourage people to come down and visit as well. So when you're hitting the Raleigh market there an hour away, we met many people that came down here and they were from that, that area and saw the spots and said, we want to go down and help Moore County get back on its feet. And so in the midst of all that, Governor Roy Cooper saw the campaign. He even came down, I think it was December 17th. He came down, made a visit to downtown Southern Pines, did some shopping, got some great TV coverage there. And also we came up with another idea to help support local businesses uh, there's a local gentleman here who has a karaoke machine, and it's called Street Corner Karaoke. And so we basically, for three days, right the week before Christmas, we set up a karaoke machine in downtown Southern Pines, downtown Piners, and downtown Aberdeen. And we got three local real estate companies to each spend $500 in $25 increments to support local businesses. That's 60 businesses we support, if you do the math. I wasn't real good at math, but I can I could do that math. And so supported 60 businesses. And so if you came up and sang a Christmas carol, you got a $25 gift card. And as you know, if you get a $25 gift card, you'll go to that business, you'll more than likely spend more than that. Sure. So it was great support and something we dropped very quickly. And I tell you, we turned this thing around so fast, but it got so much support. But it really speaks well to, I could go on and on with all the other partners from the chamber to Partners in Progress to Duke Energy, all the people that chipped in, wanted to do more. It's, it's very much like this community because we're, we're I, I kind of liken this area to being Mayberry because you, you can look at the Village of Piners and look at pictures from 125 years ago and it looks almost exactly yeah. the same. It's just the way that people are here. It's a Southern hospitality. It's just helping neighbor, helping neighbor and getting people back on their feet. You hear about these stories all the time, but really to have something like this, this happen uh, and hopefully they find the culprit soon. They have uh, no leads, no suspects that have been apprehended. But I know our, our local sheriff's department, the state bureau of investigation and the FBI are all involved in that. In fact, there's a $75,000 reward for any tips leading to the arrest of the people that perform that vandalism on those substations. But, you know, it was really very, very fulfilling for, for me as a professional to, you know, you always talk about in your board meetings about, hey, we had this many website visits, we had this many social media, you know, engagement and likes and followers. But to have your county commissioners recognize you and a bunch of other organizations that stepped up in the midst of this, uh, you know, unfortunate circumstance, uh, it gives you a lot of fulfillment as a professional to say, you know, we did a really good thing. We did a good thing for our community and they appreciate it. In fact, Whit Tuttle, uh, executive director of Visit North Carolina, said it really is a a case study for how a CVB should react in an emergency situation like this. Absolutely. So coming from Wynn, uh, that, that meant a lot. And uh, he actually wanted us to present 
at their tourism conference in early March in Asheville, but they already had speakers set aside. So, so maybe another time, but um, you know, that's necessarily not necessary, but certainly I, we certainly appreciated the accolade from the state as well. Yeah. And not that it's the reason you did it, but if any business in your region didn't understand the power of a destination marketing organization like yours, they certainly do today. That's true. Cause I, I, you know, it's funny because if I say I'm, President and CEO of the Convention and Visitors Bureau, they might say, well, what is that? <laughs> yeah. If I say, we promote tourism in Moore County. And basically my 15 second elevator speech is, we promote the destination and get as many people from around the world to come here, spend all their money, and then go home. Right. So, that's and that, that's what With it's all smile. about. With yeah. a smile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so thanks to the new product being developed, the resurgence of golf in the COVID era and your sensational marketing efforts as we said in the open, the Pinehurst region has experienced 22 months of record growth, your first $2 million room tax year in 21, your first $3 million room tax year last year. Share with us the secret sauce behind this growth. And I don't know if it's so much secret sauce as it was a perfect storm. You know, as we said, COVID help grow the game. It drove people to this destination because we're in a rural location and people can socially distance and play golf. I will tell you, even in the first month or two of COVID, I would walk through every weekend. I'd walk through the parking lot at Pinehurst Resort at the country club. And I saw no less than 10 to 15 license plates from other states from all over the country. So nobody was sitting at home doing nothing. They were coming and playing golf. And that was happening everywhere. That was happening here, TPC Sawgrass, Bandon Dunes, St. Andrews over in Scotland. I mean, every golf location just had a huge resurgence. The biggest resurgence in golf since Tiger Woods came along. Yeah. And then five sectors of the golf industry from shoes to balls to clubs, five different sectors of the golf industry had all-time records. Uh, So we definitely benefited from that. I mentioned the rural location. There was significant growth among juniors, women, first-time players in golf. I think our proximity had a lot to do with it because we're an hour from Raleigh an hour and a half from the triad, Greensboro, Winston-Salem, High Point area, two hours from Charlotte. We're pretty close to the I-95 corridor. We're right at the back door of Fort Bragg, the largest military installation in the United States. So the military community, very supportive here as well. Pinehurst Resort, I think most recently, them announcing their their 10th golf course, which is probably the worst kept secret in, in town, was that Pinehurst was going to build their 10th golf course. There's actually probably going to be an 11th one. The, the 900 acres of land that they have for that golf course, the 10th course is only going to take up about 250 of that. So even Tom Pashley, their president, said, you know what, do the math. It's, there's going to be probably an 11th golf course as well. And the demand is there. I mean, Pinehurst Resort Bill has gone from pre-COVID 55% corporate business to 45% leisure to almost 70% leisure now. Wow. It, it is just through the roof. The leisure demand, they're paying full rack rate. They're playing golf. They're using the spa. The average guest at Pinders is spending about $1,500 a day. So that's that's huge. And um, U.S. Open is going to be here next year in 2024. So with the USGA moving here, we're always going to be front of mind. In fact, I'm going to an event tonight with uh, our Department of Transportation and Michael Wan. President of USGA is going to be speaking there. Uh, so we're always front of mind with the USGA. The DOT, I just mentioned them, after the 2024 US Open, all the roads coming in and out of Pinehurst will be five lanes. So it'll be much easier to get here. Kind of shortens the distance, if you will, between here, Raleigh and Charlotte. Major Cancer Center. Uh, First Health is building a major cancer center, which will be opening here in the next couple of weeks. So you know, healthcare is the number one employer. Tourism is number two. Short-term rentals. 
They've doubled in size in the last year. They've gone from about 300 to about 640 in all of Moore County, more than 400 in Pinehurst alone. And then visitor spending, you mentioned that statistic. I mean, from 20 to 2021, uh, you know, everybody was expecting a recovery and all 100 counties did increase because you're coming out of COVID. But for us to go up 70% be the fourth highest rate of growth in the state to almost $700 million is, is obviously a huge accolade. Right. Asheville was one of those towns and you would expect Asheville, Buncombe County, uh, but the two other counties were very rural, so they didn't have to do much increase in, uh, in visitor spending to, to break those their records. And then, yeah, you mentioned maybe CVB had a great, great job in marketing the destination. But, you know, we were teed up so well that, you know, we have one partner and uh, it's Media One. I have to give them kudos. And Martin Arms, who's our account manager, he does a great job. I've known Martin since I was at the Grove Park Inn 20 years ago. Uh, he's a great partner. We'd, and we've got a great team of content writers. As a former journalist, I write a lot of content. Uh, we've got about six or seven people that we have that, that we pay a small amount to to develop content. Uh, we bring in a lot of social media influencers into town to write content for us. We just had one here this past weekend. We start our own podcast. So we for we started our own podcast about a year ago. We've done 27 episodes. We've had 140,000 views on YouTube because it is a vodcast. So it's video and audio. Right. Right. Uh, and then we hired our destination storyteller about three years ago. So that's basically our director of video production. So Dan Dreyer, uh, one of the most talented people I've ever worked with in my life. This guy went to uh, Savannah College of Art and Design. So, you know, he's an artist. He's a painter by trade. He painted the latest mural in Carthage, North Carolina, which now has five murals. And now he's working on a story trails. He's building everything of the story trails adventures in the Sandhills uh, using the Winnie the Pooh copyright, which uh, A.A. Milne developed, but went away last February. So I could go on and on about that and what that's going to mean for the destination this year in the year of the trail in the state of North Carolina. So all those things happening here, I think it was just not so much secret sauce, Bill. I think it was just perfect storm and a great, great time to be in the destination to do what we're doing. Well, you're being modest because it really has been, your marketing has been sensational over the past few years since you arrived. And so congratulations to that. And so what we were working on four years ago, uh, when I was down there, it was derailed by a county board that was more interested in getting reelected than doing what was right, plus a little bit of COVID in there too, is now within your grasp. Tell us how the discussions are going with a potential increase in the room tax rate and what it could mean for the destination. Yeah, I, and Bill, you I remember when you came and visited, you you were referred to as a Yankee. <laughs> That was, that was kind of interesting. Well, I was like, play okay. golf too. It's okay. <laughs> but no, I mean, you, you had members of the county board that, I mean, we laid out the whole plan and they just looked me dead in the eye and said, we're not raising taxes. Yeah. And I get that. I, I appreciate that. But they couldn't get past the fact that these weren't taxes on residents, on voters. They just didn't right. get it. And now you're in a position where it's going to happen, I think, right? We're working on it. Well, I guess I'll start with saying that uh, we have three brand new county commissioners. So Frank Wiss, who you know, is no longer the chairman. There's a, a new chairman who has familiarity with the CVB. Uh, and the three new members of the county commissioners uh, are relatively younger. Uh, I think they have a vision for the future. Uh, we're encouraged by that. Uh, I think it helped when we got the accolade from the county commissioners for the More Miracles for the Holidays. I had a chance to meet them, shake their hand, uh, invite them to the CVB so we can talk not so much about occupancy tax, but really what we do in 
and our role when it comes to the future and economic development in Moore County. Our occupancy tax, as you know, Bill, is, is 3%. It's the lowest in the state. Uh, the state maximum is 6%. There is an opportunity there to raise that occupancy tax by law. And you've seen our legislation, Bill, one page. Yep. And my eight-year-old nephew could figure out what this means. So the one-page document says this. It says, only me and our board, our CVD board of directors, can define tourism-related expenditures. And only me and our board can determine how we spend our money. So, you know, you can have all kinds of municipalities or political entities saying, hey, you should spend money on this. But ultimately, it's up to our board to determine that. So what we want to do, and and the way I would define tourism-related expenditures is it's not a parking deck. It's not, you know, we love firemen. We love rescue. We love that this destination is going to grow and there's going to be a need for that. But that's more municipal expense. So what can we do to support something else in your budget that would be deemed a tourism-related expenditure. And then I liken it too to, okay, if it's, this is what it would be. An example would be, what can we do here in this destination that's going to get somebody off their couch in Richmond, Virginia, or Atlanta, Georgia, Washington, D.C., and make them come to Pinehurst, North Carolina? What, what can we do? So a good example of that, and, and actually I have a board meeting next week, Katie Wyatt, she's the director of the Weymouth Center for the Arts and Humanities, nonprofit. So this increases occupancy tax would help with municipal projects that would be tourism-related expenditures or nonprofits. That's the general idea uh, behind this. We're not serve the, the private sector because at that point we're picking winners and losers. So right. Katie grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. I went to school, James Madison, kind of in Northern Virginia there. But I went to many shows and concerts at one of the finest outdoor performing arts centers, Wolf Trap. And so Wolf Trap, uh, what Katie envisions is a mini version of Wolf Trap at the Weymouth Center, which is walking distance to downtown Southern Pines. So they have visions of creating this 5,000 to 7,000 seat or person amphitheater where you can have legit concerts. We have the North Carolina Philharmonic that plays here, but they'll typically play at the Bradshaw Performing Arts Center. And there's smaller stages where they might perform, but not with a lot of people that would come in for a concert where you'd have people coming here from Raleigh and Charlotte and Winston-Salem and Atlanta. So they envision that. And plus, because it's walking distance in downtown Southern Pines, there would be nice lighted walking trails and wayfinding. So you can have a nice dinner in Southern Pines, walk to the Weymouth Center, see this incredible concert and make plans for the entire weekend and stay here overnight. So that's just one example of many. And we've created, I think the reason why I wanted to bring Katie to this meeting, because I presented ideas uh, over the course of the last four years since you've been here, Bill, to say, hey, this would be a good idea for a tourism-related expenditure. But I think being able to hear it from a face other than mine, uh, somebody in the community that has a passion for this, uh, that can create the vision for our board and for our county commissioners, is that here is a great example of what can be done with these dollars. Because the legislation also says, I have to spend two-thirds minimum of two-thirds of our dollars on marketing the destination. The rest can be spent on tourism product development or we like to call tourism enhancement. So right now, because we don't have that grant program, we spend this year 82% on marketing. So we want to spend that money. And the, in the time that I've been here, Bill, that fund would be up to $8 million right now. Wow. Can you imagine what $8 million would do in a community like this to uh, promote tourism in the destination? But with that too, there is an anti-growth sentiment here. There's a lot of people here that you know they they want this area to to not change, not grow, not expand our roads. You know when the USGA announced here on September the 9th, 2020, that they were building a second headquarters here 
and we've got U.S. Opens every five or six years for the next 25 years, uh, the, the floodgates are kind of open. So, I mean, you know, if we didn't market golf at, at all, the people are still coming here because of the great job Pinehurst Resort does, the other golf entities here, because the businesses industry that are moving not only to this county, but just north of us, they're going to have a huge economic impact on this county. Let's be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So we want to be a part of that growth. We want to be part of that solution. And we want to help these municipalities. And, and we've asked them, as you know, Bill, we've asked them to come up with great ideas for tourism-related expenditures. We want to be a part of that. Uh, I think where we run into a little bit of interference is that uh, there's a group called the Triangle J Council of Governments that believes that our legislation's not worth the paper it's written on. I'm sorry, I, 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 have to, I have to go by the legislation. This is what it says. We have huge entities, and, and you know them, Bill, the North Carolina Tourism Industry Association, and then you've also got the North Carolina Travel and Tourism Coalition, yeah. uh, which has a huge lobby, the second largest lobby in the legislature in North Carolina. So if there were inklings or inferences or urgings, let's say, that the CVB should be spending money on things that aren't tourism-related expenditures, uh, there would be quite a bit of response from those two entities that would come down here and say, yeah, you know, Phil needs it and the CVB needs to spend the money on these tourism-related expenditures, and this is what your legislation says. So I think, you know, when I sit around, I thought about this in our board meeting next week. You know the people that are on our board, from Tom Pashley, the president of Pinehurst Resort, Kelly Miller, Bonnie McPeak, who's the, the uh, second largest hotelier here, Frank Quist. The people that are on our board are highly intelligent, very successful people. I mean, we can figure this out. We're, we can do this. It's not rocket science. We're not curing cancer. Yep. We just want to be a part of the growth of this destination. It's going to happen regardless of the anti-growth sentiment that's here, which is kind of the vocal minority. But, you know, and I see too, I mean, we want to grow, but we want to grow in the right way because this is a very special place. It's a special yep. destination yep. that has a lot of historic relevance. Um, but I think we can come to a solution here that everybody can be pleased with uh, and we can move forward and, and continue to have a great destination. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that the genesis of this four years ago, pre-COVID, was that golf was on a downturn. Uh, I, think, I think in 2018, 2019, I think only 9% of Americans had golfed the previous year, which was down significantly from like 2010. And your initial goal was we were looking at, at soccer fields to diversify the economy so that if, if golf continued on a downturn, we'd have something else to fill the hotels with. And I, I remember being out at, at your sports facility and talking to everybody uh, you know, in the clubhouse and we knew we were on the right track and we just couldn't move the ball through your then county board because there was that fear of we're raising a tax thing could impact their future election possibilities. But isn't it interesting that now you're talking not as much about soccer or diversifying away from golf, but really diversifying into golf and, right? Yeah, absolutely. And what was, even before I got here, there was a sports complex that, that, that was planned and, and that's since been built. The county spent the money. Uh, they have two huge uh, gymnasiums, right? In the county seat of Carthage, they've got six baseball fields around there. Aberdeen has built six soccer fields. 
they've added lights to it. So there were projects that were going on that we could have definitely been a part of. We definitely need to, to be a part of in the future. So I think now with yeah. the new county commissioners, there's a chance to revisit that conversation. You know, one thing too, Pinehurst is going to build, they're building some additional cottages uh, on Pinehurst number eight. I think it's six or seven cottages between the ninth and 10th hole. Kelly Miller wants to build six or seven cottages on his property at Southern Pines Golf Club. I live very close to the Moore County Airport. Uh, I live at the end of the tarmac in a town called Whispering Pines, which is just north of Southern Pines. And so people may not be familiar with the President's Cup. It's very much like the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup is the competition between the United States and Europe. The President's Cup is the United States against the world. So you'd have players from Europe, Japan, Australia competing in the President's Cup. That was here uh, last September. And Charlotte, as we said, is two hours away. And that was played at Quail Hollow, a great golf course there. The week before the President's Cup, I would drive by that tarmac every morning, and there were three or four dozen planes on that tarmac that were massive corporate jets. And so my brother worked in that industry for 40 years. I took some of the pictures of these planes and sent them to my brother, and he said, oh, yeah, there, there's some serious money in Pinehurst because three of those planes are Falcon X-7s. They started at $38 million. And so I told Tom Pasha, I said, so – you know, with USGA being here, you're going to see a lot of that traffic. There are already a ton of Fortune 500 C-level executives that come here and play golf. And that's what they were doing the week before the President's Cup. Um, <laughs> so I said, so if Pinehurst Resort is sold out, where are they going to stay? Wow. So the next level after Pinehurst Resort is probably the Hilton Garden Inn. As a C-level executive, are you going to – I mean, beautiful hotel. Bonnie does a great job. But are you going to stay there? Uh, or more likely, they're going to stay at a short-term rental at Forest Creek, very high-end private club, or Country Club of North Carolina, very high-end private club. The gap in luxury accommodations here between Pinehurst Resort and select service hotels yeah. is massive. Uh, we're not the only destination in North Carolina that's like that. So you know, aside from you know what we're trying to pursue with the occupancy tax, we've had conversations with at least a couple of major nationally known luxury brands, not Ritz Carlton, I'll say that, although I did call them, that we've talked to that have at least initial interest in building a major luxury hotel here and potentially five star, five diamond, yeah. no golf interest, but major luxury hotel. Just understanding the growth of this destination, where we're going, the industry and the economic development that's going to be happening here in this area for the next you know, 5, 10, 20 years. So there is some potential there. I'm excited about that. I know Pinehurst is, you know, they account for about half of our occupancy tax, but even they know that you know, they have to build more lodging to accommodate the future, what this destination is going to bring. Right. Well, an amazing run over the past number of years that you've been there. And so congratulations to that. But your bonus round question. So let's take you back a few years. You're a highly successful business person. You're 46 years old, you have a midlife crisis, and decide that you're going to go out on the PGA Tour. Tell me how that went. <laughs> well, let me, stop, let me stop you, a PGA Tour. So as I tell people, there's a, there's a major difference between a PGA Touring professional and a PGA Teaching professional. Ah, okay. I was the latter. Okay. So, uh, so as an, as an avid golfer, I grew up in, in Norfolk, Virginia, a Navy brat. My dad was a phenomenal golfer, scratch golfer. In fact, when I was a kid, if I didn't play to a certain level, he'd make me take my bag and walk back to the driving range and hit balls until he got done. And uh, so I had to become a better player to play with him. And I grew up playing on, on naval-based dirt tracks, and it was just, you know, not great conditions. So 
you learn to kind of hit the ball, you know, crisply. And so I always loved to play. And like I said, the last time I played my dad, I finally beat him before he passed away. But this is later years uh, when I was working at the Ritz Carlton in 06, 07, uh, my mother had passed away or she was getting ready to pass away. My brother and I thought that she had a couple more years to live. I moved back to Asheville, North Carolina, and she passed away 10 days later. So I helped build out the PR wing to this firm, advertising agency. I was there for almost two years. And so I went in, I, I was kind of hitting my heart. And I was like, you know, I always told, always told my mom I wanted to be a golf professional. And so I walked into Jeff's office one day, my boss, and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to quit my job and, uh, and go to golf school. And he said something I can't repeat. And, uh, and so <laughs> I ended up going to golf school in Myrtle Beach, ended up going to PGA school down in Port St. Lucie, Florida, uh, became a class A teaching apprentice. My best friend from college, uh, Bruce Coffin, who works for the PGA Tour still to this day. Um, and in 08, 09, I mean, PGA professionals in the U.S. were losing their job during the recession. So he said, hey, you know, I know Cindy Reed really well, and she teaches at the Zurich in New Orleans the week before the Players' Championship. That was several years ago, and the Zurich's not right before the Players, and the Players are in March now, not May. He said, hey, I know Cindy Reed really well. She teaches over in China. You know, I'll arrange a lunch for you to meet her. So I did that. We had a three-hour lunch. She hired me on the spot. I moved to China. I had a six-month work visa. Wow. And I taught there teaching her, teaching philosophy. I taught a lot of um, very wealthy gentlemen from Hong Kong that speak English just as well as you or I, uh, but I also taught several mainland Chinese that spoke no English, uh, taught through a translator. Uh, and after about four or five lessons, because of the way, the physical way that Cindy would teach and move, move your body around and the way we would show video and the way I would use emphasis on my voice, they kind of got to the point where the translator really wasn't even part of the discussion. They, they kind of knew what I was talking about. And uh, so it was a great experience. I didn't get to travel a whole lot because I taught from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday and then 10 hours on Saturday. Uh, so usually on Sunday, I did wash or just slept because of just, you know, being able to just recharge the batteries. And plus, we played golf almost every day because of those 13 golf courses at Mission Hills with three clubhouses, half of them were lit. So we would go eat dinner when we were doing the day, wow. go out and play golf from 10 p.m. to about 1 a.m. and then go take a nap, get up and go teach again. But living in a communist country where you're followed every day by one of three people that wore black suits, white shirts, and black ties, and they knew where we were at all times. It was kind of intimidating at first, but after a while, you just realize, you know what? Uh, you're an American. They just want to know where you're all at all times. But it was kind of cool is everybody thought you knew Tiger Woods. <laughs> they thought we all played on the PJ Tour, and they all thought we knew Tiger Woods. And it's like, no, it's not quite like that. If I was on the PJ Tour, I would not be here. And uh, so, uh, but again, it was a great experience, something I don't regret doing. Uh, I came back to the United States and uh, worked at the Brandon Agency in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and had 13 golf clients. And so it's kind of, God works in mysterious ways. And, and in my life, I've never been married, no kids, but I've had some great adventures, had some opportunities to do some things that if I had a family would never be able to do, like living in China, and then coming back to the United States and getting additional golf uh, experience so that when the time came and I mentioned Martin Arms, who I've known for 20 years as my marketing partner with Media One, I was working for, for a major uh, high-end two private clubs in Atlanta and a very affluent clubs. And Martin calls me and says, hey, there's a great opportunity in Pinehurst. They're looking for a president CEO of the CVB. And I'm like, I've never worked for a CVB. I don't know what a CVB does. And found out <laughs> later, I found out our board was like, we want a guy that just has golf experience that 
has no CVB experience that, you know, but I had broadcast TV experience, marketing experience, agency experience, major resort experience. So that cost section really kind of, you know, those life experiences that was what they found to be valuable. And you know what, nobody handed me a, a, and I've told my board this before too. Unfortunately, things have gone well for the five years I've been here and hopefully don't see an end to that. But, you know, I said, Hey, nobody, no, nobody ever gave me when you hired me, they didn't hand me a, a, a binder. It said, this is how you do this job. So I just did it the best way I know how as a PR and marketing journalism. Uh, that's, that's my background, PR, marketing and journalism. So I, I look, yeah, I look at the businesses as, as that. Obviously, I was on the other end of the tourism side from working with CVBs with the resorts where I was located uh, in various parts of the country. And um, so, yeah, it's worked well. And I've got a great staff. I mean, I just, you know, hire good people and give them the assignments and get out of their way because they do an awesome job and uh, and definitely make us look good. Well, you're being modest again. And uh, that's one of the things I love about you. But man, you have just done an amazing job there. And the more miracles thing, which kind of reminded me that we hadn't had you on the show yet, was I think just brilliant. And the kind of thing that DMOs do more and more all the time. And, uh, and I think we'll continue to because we are as Jack Johnson says at DI, we are that community shared value, or at least we should be. And we're far more than heads in bed. So Phil, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for all you do for all of us. And uh, we can't wait to get back there sometime real soon. Thanks, Bill. Really appreciate it. And come on down, uh, bring your sticks and play some golf and uh, come see us down in Pinehurst. All right. Looking forward. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers, this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, our friends at Destinations International, where the Convention Sales and Services Summit is just around the corner, March 9th at Gaylord National in National Harbor. This year's summit will challenge you to think about your role and your destination differently, providing insights and information that will promote a deeper collaboration in the sales and services cycle and educate on post-pandemic shifts that impact the sales cycle. For more information, go to destinationsinternational.org and click on the banner. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find links to our services for the DMO sector, links to the Z News, position papers on board diversity and a new model for destination development, the book Destination Leadership, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, plus access to past episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time. <laughs>